In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Blandina was a young slave girl in 2nd century Lyon. She, along with her mistress, was a follower of the sect known as the Way, those who claimed that Jesus Christ was the true God and Lord of the world. A persecution such as had not been seen before broke out against the Christians, and they were tortured and killed, brought into the arena for wild beasts to devour as the crowd cheered deliriously. The only reason we know the name of a little slave girl is because one of the church fathers who wrote down what he saw happened at the arena to give a report to the other churches that they might not lose heart. Blandina, a girl of probably 13, after her tormentors had been unable to get her to deny Christ, was strung up in chains in the arena, and the beasts were loosed upon her. Legend has it that the beasts did nothing to her, that she hung there for some time, but they refused to devour her, and so her tormentors threw her back in prison. Eventually, Blandina was brought out to the arena again, and they tried to get her to swear by the names of their idols. She refused, and they began their work again with fresh energy. The writer of this letter tells us that Blandina was like a noble mother, hastening to follow those who had gone before her in martyrdom, but hastening as if she had been invited to a wedding dinner and not to be cast among wild beasts. He says after scourging, after fighting with wild beasts, after the broiling of her body as if it were in a frying pan, at length she was wrapped in a net and tumbled before a wild bull which fanned and tossed her with his horns to and fro. Yet she had no feeling of all these things her mind being fixed and wholly set upon the conference which she had with Christ, and in the end she was beheaded. Irenaeus writes in his letter that when Blandina was hanging upon the chains, it was that in hanging in the form of a cross, and by her incessant prayer that she might cheer the other saints who suffered and were near death. Because while in agony, he says, they beheld in their sister him that was crucified for them. Tonight, we celebrate all saints and souls, those like Blandina who have gone on before us bearing the marks of Christ's passion on their bodies, those who carried forth with unrelenting hope. To celebrate this feast is to be reminded of what it means to be a disciple of Christ, what it means to be part of Christ's body. It is to look full-faced and not flinch from the realizing that martyrdom is not an anomaly to the Christian life. Rowan Williams says that discipleship is the imitation of God's humility, God's service. Martyrdom, he says, is no isolated episode in Christian life. The oblation, the pouring out and self-emptying, begins long before. Martyrdom, he says, comes as the natural culmination of a far more prosaic process of unselfing. To celebrate the Feast of All Saints and All Souls is to press into that process of dying to self, just as those who have gone on before. It is those who endure that John sees in his apocalyptic vision, surrounding the throne of the lion and lamb, crying with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. John tells us that this multitude that cannot be numbered, all dressed in dazzling white, those who have washed their robes in the blood of the lamb, this is the community of all saints. The reason I began with the story of Blandina is to highlight what was once said. The communion of saints is a communion in Christ's apocalyptic sufferings. This is completely countercultural. We are surrounded by teachers and gurus and celebrities who are all instructing us to avoid suffering, to get what we want when we want it, telling us that our happiness is what matters most. 
If Jesus makes you happy, then great, but don't let him keep you from being true to yourself. But Jesus says you could gain the whole world and forfeit your soul. It is only those who will lose their lives for his sake that will find true life. Earlier in John's apocalyptic vision, he begins weeping aloud for this scroll, this revelation of the end, this vindication of all things, of all the suffering servants of God was sealed, and there was found no one who was worthy to break the seals. He says, I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. And the creatures and the elders fall down before the lamb and worship. They worship because he alone is worthy to take this scroll and open the seven seals. The seven seals break open upon the sealed saints, the people who bear the mark of the king, who are kept by him. And this lion lamb is worthy because they sing, You are slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. It is these saints that have been ransomed, those that denied themselves and took up their cross to follow Christ, that went hungry, naked, mocked, reviled, ripped apart by wild beasts. It is these who the one who sits on the throne will shelter with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat, for the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is your inheritance if you are in Christ. All the saints, all the holy angels cry to you, What hinders you? What have you decided is worth more than this inheritance? Don't hold back. Fly to the altar and repent. For the lamb who was slain was slain for you, and his love is boundless. Some of you are struggling to have joy in the midst of celibacy, or hope in the midst of childlessness, or courage in the face of delayed purpose. The cross you bear is not a shame. It is an instrument of glory, for it is the crucified Christ in you, the hope of glory. I'd like to conclude with a reading from St. Anastasius of Sinai. He says, how can we explain our zeal in attending this solemn gathering today, beloved, if not by the fact that our brothers and sisters who have been called away from us to Christ have surrounded us all here? Gladly then let us come to Christ with songs of praise, for our departed ones have inspired us to glorify God for them on earth, while they join the choirs of angels in praising him in heaven, and provide a spiritual meal for us. Filled with the delights of paradise, they place before us the wine of compunction, they now enjoy the consolations of heaven and are kindling a light to enlighten their own hearts as they move toward the unapproachable light. The saints already with Christ have drawn away the saints from among ourselves. Those who were once with us have departed from us, returning to their true homeland and leaving us orphans. They have passed from a state of corruptibility to one of incorruptibility. They have gone from this world and risen again in Christ exchanging their tent dwelling for the heavenly Jerusalem. Leaving to us the emptiness of this life, they have attained to the bliss of heaven. Leaving to us our earthly worries, they have passed to a land without worry. They have left behind the winds and waves of this world and have anchored in harbors of perfect calm. Yet even while they seemed to be with us, they were not so in reality, 
for their minds were turned to God. They lived on earth as citizens of heaven. Having here no lasting city, they sought a heavenly one. Having no earthly riches, they sought the riches of heaven. They were strangers and sojourners as their ancestors were. Strangers to the world, to the things of the world, and to the ways of the world. Their whole heart was absorbed in the things of heaven. They were the things they thought about and were concerned about. They longed for the beauty of heaven, its mansions and dwellings, its choirs and hymnody, its feasts and its eternal blessedness. The saints contemplated, sought, and hastened toward these things, so at last they attained them. Their striving was rewarded by admission to the heavenly bridal chamber. Because they labored, they now exult. Because they were not negligent, they now rejoice. Precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his saints. Amen.